listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you enjoy 9ES, I cannot stress this enough. Please, please, please uh, share an episode. Uh, share a favorite episode to your friends. Uh, just share this episode to your friends. And if you really, really, really enjoy 9to5.cc, uh, go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and you can chip in there right now. Not advertised on the website, only advertised here in the show notes. Um, you can get episodes of something we call 90s Garbage Time, which is a whole extra bonus episode. It's actually sometimes half an hour, 40 minutes long, uh, where we uh, kind of keep talking about stuff that we don't think is necessarily as quite polished for the main episode. So you get a whole extra 30 to 40 minutes sometimes of 90s if you subscribe by the $3 or more level not advertised anywhere else but here uh, on this episode we take a look at scotty at the bat my favorite book from childhood uh we get a COVID 19 update uh, including what's going on in america we talk about honeybee water parks we talk about the show supernatural uh we talk about comedy movie and comic book movies and wesley snipes which is snipes snipes we talk about the show wandavision that may or may not get made we talk about adventure time distance lands we give um john the best movie ever uh, we also, I watched Idle Hands, and uh, Scott watched a Barkley Marathon documentary that was not the same as the documentary that I watched. All this and more on 90X. Did you hit dingers? No, I hit terrible. I hit <laughs> derpy oh, little, dingers. I hit derpy little rolling grounders. Well, you were also tipsy, no? Yep, also a little tipsy, and uh, <laughs> got there just as the game was starting. That was fun. Hey. It was first time in over a year. I better get there five minutes before we start. <laughs> good. Stretch it out, man. Stretch real good. This is how. This is when the injuries happen. Mm-hmm. This is. Well, you were, you're, you're coming off of injury. You were on the IR last year, right? Yep, that's why it's been more than a year. I didn't play fall ball. I missed half a summer. Thanks, Keith. <laughs> what? It's totally your fault. You're I had like all my a- shit together, and then the plan got thrown astray. <laughs> Scott is no, saying- I, had a, I had a good game. I hit three for four. I, I chased down a lot of those, uh, those derpy ground balls that I hit. And, uh, yeah, it, it turned a double play single-handed. That was pretty nice. 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 Yeah, I played second base. I was, playing, I, was second, the I was playing second base. Someone uh, chopped a one a one hopper at me. Was it I, a dinger? No, it was, no, it was a one hopper. You just said it. It's like a high grounder. And I was on second base. If you hit a dinger, that's very far away from me. I don't know. Maybe it could it just make a ding noise? It hits the ground? No, dingers, dingers are like, if not home runs, they're definitely like far, far upfield. I, 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 I charged it. I caught it off the hop. I tagged the runner from first, and I threw it to the first baseman to get the batter. And I felt very accomplished. Yeah. And then did every, what everyone was like, that's the Scott we've been missing. Yeah. And then, like, I jumped up in the air. It, the, the freeze frames, the credits began to roll. It was really awesome. The voiceover comes it was the fourth inning, so that was a little weird. But <laughs> well, it's like, like I feel like there's movies that like literally end on like the first pitch. So they're like, like you're sort of like, and he throws a strike, credits, and you're like, it's not how baseball works. He's not at all. <laughs> he's, he's Major, 
game to play. Major League ends with them winning uh, the the pennant. They don't even play the playoffs or the World Series. <laughs> they just they they win the season, and they don't do the. I mean, they they don't they probably don't do well in the World Series. You gotta save some of that for the sequel. That's like imagine the Tampa Bay Lightning last year being like, we won the President's Trophy. Credit. <laughs> exactly. The Tampa Bay Lightning would go on to have the greatest <laughs> like pro season in like modern sports hockey history. Let's not talk about the playoffs <laughs> where they were swept by the eighth place team. <laughs> Columbus Blue Jackets in their first playoff series win of their franchise. Yeah. The first playoff no first wasn't the first playoff game win? Like it was there was a really dumb stat of like they had only made the playoffs like four times and they had been swept. Every time, every other time. So it was like not only their first, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ah. It's it's something. It's definitely their first series win, but it was also something like among their first playoff game wins. It was good times. Uh, best hockey's coming back, and it's weird. How's it going to work? Toronto and Edmonton are the host cities because Canada has its COVID under control. Sort of. A bunch of Canadians huh. tested positive today. Yeah. Montreal Canadian. Yep. Or Host Canadian. cities, so like every every game is going to be played in those two arenas. Yep. yep. They're creating two NHL bubbles. Huh. And, and do fans go to see them spread out? No. It's going to be empty arenas. Are they going to put robots or sex dolls? I hope both. Maybe robots and sex dolls. <laughs> Why? Did you, guys, exactly. did you guys see that picture of the baseball teams in Korea playing in in front of stuffies? Well, I saw that they played in front of sex dolls. <laughs> in Korea, they filled one of the stadiums up with stuffed animals. It looks great. This is one of those if you're brave enough situations. <laughs> it looked great. I was like, yeah, stuffed animals. That's that's how you do it. As looks opposed great. to dolls. Yes. Yeah, who are the who are the happies that? Yeah, like no, the they're t- not they're not releasing names. But how many? I, I was multiple. <laughs> what do you mean they're not releasing names? You, it's it's like a weird. Um, it's like part. It's, it's yeah. It's like it's it's in the agreement in the return to play agreement. I guess to avoid like undue <laughs> backlash to the players returning, right? Like that. If, some any, of... if any of the players test positive, they just say like this organization has X number of people tested positive. That's it, and like those people are now in isolation. Right. They don't like out the players to. Be like, oh, this like, which kind of, it kind of makes sense. It does. It's kind of medically sensitive, I suppose. Well, I don't think. It, I mean, yeah, it's medically sensitive, but I mean, but it's it's also sort of they're like they're putting themselves at risk at behest of the league, and then it'd be sort of weird for them to face public backlash because yeah, like, for sure, you weren't safe enough, and they're like, I was just coming back to work because my boss told me to. And like these are guys <laughs> who are around medical professionals twenty four seven. I'm sure that they're going to have better testing than many healthcare professionals will, you know? Yeah. The WWE would not, would disagree. Really? <laughs> they had a massive breakout, like 40. Yeah. Something, yeah. Like something like 40 Ooh. employees or including 10 talent. Yeah. They, they did not take it seriously. They, Cor- they correct. In yeah. Florida? Down Cor- in Florida? <laughs> Doubly so because AEW, which is also running in Florida has had so far zero. Right, so much like WWE had two different outbreaks. They had like a small one a couple like a months ago, and then they had like the major one a couple weeks ago. And they're like, 
There is another wrestling promotion that's happening that has not had that. You know, you know the old guy at the bank who's not wearing a mask and he's like, "I live through the fucking uh, whatever. I, I'll be oh, yeah, fine." That's fully that's, Vince McMahon. That's Vince McMahon right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's like, all my men are big and strong. They can't catch COVID. They have big biceps. Too big for COVID. Flex it out of your system. Uh. <laughs> Rusev got it. Rusev. And he got fired. And uh, Man. And hilariously also, I was telling Scott, like, so that actually screwed with AEW's title picture. <laughs> because... The uh, the guy holding the world championship for AEW, uh, John Moxley, is married to one of WWE's announcers. And even though she tested negative, like if you're anyone in your household, uh, it's contact traced to an outbreak or whatever. Sure, you sure, you sure. isolate for two weeks and is being safe. So yeah, so he's now stuck at home as AEW's like champion Oof. because his wife works for WWE. And I was like, that was Vince's plan. <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, lean into it. If you're if you're gonna miss things in this time, it's pretty forgivable. Like, I'm sure the fans don't give a fuck. Oh no, I don't. I don't. I don't blame the guy at all. I do blame Vince McMahon for being apparent. Apparently, by by all so accounts, he fired him. No, 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 no. This is another guy that he fired. But uh, by all accounts, like what Scott was saying is accurate. They were like a lot of people were like they're not keeping it safe. They're not doing whatever. Like versus like AEW was doing this thing where. When they started, before they even they shut down, because they kept doing it in Florida before Florida even had shut down, then Florida reopened. They did this thing where they put um, like crews together. So you'd have like a certain announce group, a certain set of cameramen, and a certain set of wrestlers. So they had like three isolated groups, even amongst their operations. So even if someone did get sick, it would take out like... Only a third at, at the worst. Only a third. So, you know, you're like, okay, so we lost a cameraman and, and some talent and some announcers. Right. We don't have to shut everything down because they're isolated even as groups. So, like, they've been doing things like, like, you can argue all day long that they probably shouldn't be wrestling right now anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're going to be doing it, like, they're doing it as safe as can be. And, like, a lot of people also, because, like, AEW just started up within the last year. And they were like, they don't have the video library or whatever to even fall back on reruns. Like, they were like, these this place like they will go bankrupt if they're forced to take off on an extended period of time right like so i kind of understand that they're in that position and they're trying to do it as safe as possible it's why i have mixed feelings i think a lot about like everyone's just sort of like don't go to any bars you're being stupid and selfish i'm like well like do you like your bars because if you like if your bar is being safe about it you can go if like if everybody's being safe and you're sitting on a terrace and you're six feet away from each other and all everybody's wearing a mask Maybe that'll your bar will be there at the end of this because if you do nothing, a lot of these places are going to go bankrupt. Like there's like a there is a balance of like I think you know that, that there is, but is that your responsibility? Well, well Keith, you're, you're saying that, but also if you've been to a bar in the last two weeks in Montreal, the city is saying you need to go get tested for COVID because there were five outbreaks. Yeah, because people were doing it wrong. Like, I mean, like, that was, and that's the bar. Like, if if every, if I look at a terrace and I see the terrace, like, looking like business as usual, I'm like, no, I would not go to there. And I don't think a lot of people read that way. Like, versus when you look at something like what Turbo House was doing, where you had to make a reservation, you had a two-hour window that you had to show up. You had to show up, there were like, if you, your reservation was for four and you show up with six, Two of you are going home. We're only putting four. We're not going to crowd more in. That the, you, like we have everything spaced out. 
Masks have to be on when you're inside, going to the bathroom, going to whatever. The server will not come to your table unless everybody's wearing a mask. You could take them off at the table, but then when your beer gets ordered, you put the mask back on. Like, I was like, if a place is doing that, I'm like, okay. If a place is just like, I'm packing up my terrace and trying to make a dollar, then no, I'm not going there. But I do think that there is a version of reopening where everybody's being safe, but that's not what was happening. Like, to me, if you're if you're not wearing a mask when the server comes up to you, you're being a shithead. Like, there's a way to do that. Like, they did it in China, right? Like, where they were just saying, like, the, they had, like, little, like, six-foot rings around those tables, right? Where the server would, like, go to the ring and then wait. People would put on their masks. Server has a mask on. And then they would go and drop off the food and then leave. Like, you know, like I said, I, I think there is a way to mitigate the outbreak with, like, social responsibility by mitigating everything. I think that if I look at the photos of what was going on at a lot of those Montreal bars, it just looked like business as usual. Like, it was the only people in masks were literally the servers, you know, which is is the worst thing in the world. Because as we like, as we discussed a couple times, like the cloth masks protect other people. Right. So you're like, this is exposing the servers hardcore. If you're not wearing a mask like this person, you're asking this, like a person to bring you food <laughs> like on the regular and they're going to be exposed to 100 plus people a day minimum. Like if you're not wearing a mask, you're being really shitty to the server. <laughs> You know, like on the off chance that you're asymptomatic. And and again, they've said, in the city of Montreal said, if you've been to a bar, yeah, July first, you should go get tested, asymptomatic or not. Yeah, that's how that's how wide reaching the problems were in the city. Yep, and that's why as 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 of July 18th, they're making it masks mandatory for the entire province, not just Montreal. Yeah, masks mandatory. I'll believe that. So today was the first day of the public transit where it was mandatory still no fines yet right like i think this is the this is day one but like they're the the, it's a slap on the wrist if anything i I walked home and uh, the bus that i would have taken passed me and there were probably 20 people on that bus and a good seven of them were not wearing masks i was like were people giving him the stinker no i find that surprising That's, that's the thing like i think that they were we were talking they're like i'm glad they're saying mask mandatory and who knows how well it'll be enforced, but I think it'll still end up with more people wearing masks than if they don't say it. You know, so I'm like, every step is, I think, a small uh, win, but they should have until, absolutely until like, normalized see, it like, uh, sooner. Until they see people on the bus who aren't wearing the mask, and they're the only ones who are wearing it, and then it stops being uh, a positive thing. And they're just like, oh, I feel awkward. and I feel everyone else on the bus is judging me for being careful. Then it stops. Fuck that. I don't know. I feel I, so I, privileged to go through this whole thing without having to go outside of the house to work. Oh, I, man. I, like, literally, I'm even if I, I'm glad I live close enough that I can walk. Yeah, yeah. all that, dude. But yeah, no, like, I, I, even around here, like, we've, the masks were okay and they've been, like, dwindling and dropping, but I, I don't, judge me for my mask. I don't give a shit. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be the, if, if I ever caught it, I want to know that I'm not transmitting it as much as possible. Like, you know, like I, I know that the mask is kind of a, like cloth masks are a one way street kind of thing. And they're like, they protect others more than you, mm-hmm. but I'm like, yeah, I don't, I would rather that not be on my conscience. Like if you're, if I like, if you're like, Oh, you happen to catch it. Uh, but you wear a cloth mask all the time. I know that I didn't spread it like a monster. So maybe like I mitigated an outbreak and then I just have to deal with the fact that I caught it from some other asshole, but I don't want to be like part of the problem. So. All right. I'm done with COVID. 
Although, wait, I wanted to say the statistic from before that we were just talking about. So if you add up almost any two days in July for new cases in America, you have more total cases than Canada had all time. They've been at over 50,000 cases a day since July 1st. Yep. Holy shit. I don't... I only look in on the United States figures like once every week or two. Usually, I think, before this podcast. <laughs> and every time I'm like, it just it's complete and utter insanity and I don't understand how they can still parade around like they're the best country in the world. I don't know that they can. I think it's it's been many years. Maybe the moment was that speech in um what was the the TV show Alan Sorkin about the president the newsroom face. Oh, newsroom, the newsroom yeah. Where he's like, "We're we're not first at anything." Exactly. <laughs> I think that might have been the moment, but honestly, even before then, like First world countries do not bankrupt people for their health. Yep. Oh, it's so crazy. Sorry, America. Anyway, wear a mask, wash your hands. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's not over. Oh yeah. The, the other quote, there was like one hilarious quote where they were just sort of like, if you, uh, you know, if you've gone through quarantine and you're feeling like, oh, I didn't use all that time for like my own like fitness project or like writing my book or whatever. Good news. You should still be in quarantine. You can write that book. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Uh, um, John, I think that the, the top news of the day is you uh, constructed a bumblebee uh, or a honeybee um, water park that led to a honeybee highway of pleasantries. It did. <laughs> this is like way, way less crazy than it sounds. So <laughs> it's really hot up on that roof where them bees live. So mm -hmm. Debbie thought that we should provide them with some water and we got a, like a kitty watering was this, station. Was this actually okay, – so was this research or was it just like adorable – but it is normal for them to put for you to put water out for for bees particularly in the city if they're on the roof it could get super super hot they need access to water all the time and it's like been really dry so we just want to make sure they have a good source available yeah. and they just and they just do like do they stand in it and do like a little dance no so you have to put all kinds of little rocks and stuff in the water because they have yeah. to get right down on it and then they actually like water that has a little bit of scunge in it just I don't know why they like it. B reasons. So B reasons. So you put a lot of little rocks into it, and then that also hopefully keeps away animals from getting too much into it. And we had it on the roof for a good while, but the the bees didn't seem to use it, and it was really, really hot, so it evaporated over the over a short period of time. My guess is that the water got too hot during the day, so they would just never use it. Yeah. Anyway, so we move it down into the garden, and we put it behind the bean poles in the back of the garden. And it stays in the shade of the of the the beans. So, to our surprise, within a week, there's like five bees at the bee watering hole every time you go there. Like you can just walk over, and there's a bunch of bees there all drinking. <laughs> I like to imagine it's sort of like water cooler, right? Like it's because they go there. You say you were saying they go they go there before going home, or they're just sort of like ah, gotta head back to the queen, but. You know her. <laughs> they're okay, like, boy, do I. Yeah. We all have the same wife. I mean, it's pleasant to imagine that, but my guess is that they, because they're, you know, they're carrying stuff when they're coming home at the end of the day. So they probably yeah. go to the hive, drop that off, and then go to get a drink before before bed. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But we're sitting on our balcony watching where, you know, having dinner yesterday, and just where the setting sun comes, it it is exactly perpendicular to the line that the bees travel on between the bee watering station and the roof above our heads. And so they're flying exactly in that line. And where the sunlight comes perpendicular, it's like they go out of the shade of the hedges into mm -hmm. the sunlight and then boom, they're lit up by the sunlight. They fly over your head. 
onto the roof and then they disappear. And there's so many of them that it's like not continuous, but it's like really every five seconds, 10 seconds maximum is the distance in time between any two bees. You just sit there. Pew. Just going by. There's a bee. Yeah. You made a little bee highway. There's a little, a little water park. Yep. To the old watering hole. Exactly. You should make up, put up a little sign, like a little like cardboard sign of like Moe's Tavern or whatever, just like over the little bee. Area. Uh, it's got to be be a bee related pun somehow. That's true. Come on, yeah. somebody quick, something about honey, honey uh, bar. Right. Well, there's honey martins. Could yeah. just be honey martins. Yeah. <laughs> just print out honey martin sign and just like tape it on popsicle sticks. I never liked that place enough to to advertise for it on the free. Because all the advertising that it gets on the shade in your backyard. <laughs> on this podcast and all of our many listeners. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Could be, oh, I mean, to be fair, it should be grumpies. Grumpies? Oh, that's good. That's yeah, because we do love Grumpies and they're a friend of the grumpies. podcast. <laughs> so, Grumpies. That's right. Was there actually any more pressing news? <laughs> Was there anything? Did anyone else have a have a, have a a hot button topic to lead off? Other I than mean, I, I watched The Color Out of Space. I saw that in cinema. Yeah. Yeah. We were... It's on Netflix now. Yeah, yeah, did you watch it, Scott? Not yet. I just oh. saw it this morning that it was on Netflix. Yeah. Some, yeah. Chris Laren posted it. Saying, oh my god, it's on. I was like, oh yeah, that's that crazy Nick Cage movie. I mean, it's a crazy H.P. Lovecraft movie that happens to star Nick Cage. Yeah. Those, those are two great tastes that taste great together. You know? Yeah. <laughs> with with the, the if you're if you're listening to this right now and you're on your smartphone or on a computer or whatever else like that, just Google like Color Out of Space movie. Uh, and Scott, if you uh, you haven't seen or whatever, I saw the trailer and I was no, like, no, but the poster. Don't don't actually stop the movie to watch the trailer. You can do that on your own time. But just the poster is a thing. This is our do. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is for us. You're listening to us right now, listener. But the poster is is a thing of complete madness. The poster is so good that like I enjoyed the movie, but it does not live up to that poster. That's that's my primary complaint. Is that it, I don't I don't know that it goes far enough. Mm-hmm. It, like it did everything I kind of expected it to. And um, there it was, you know. Were you, were you like surprised by anything that happened? No, I mean, I guess we can. I suppose we can. Like, I we talked about it a little bit when I had watched it, and I think that I said that we were going to get. You should a wait bit until more. all three of us see it. I, I would happily wait for this until Scott sees it because this is a, a Lovecraft movie. You know, it's pretty oh, rare we get to dissect one as right, aficionados of Lovecraft, and and I'm a pretty big Nick Cage fan too. So this is. And it's pretty rare that we get a horror genre that all three of us are into. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll weird, wait on this one then. Weird stuff, I suppose, is there. Um, Scott, you've been watching all of Supernatural? Did I, I hear that right? Yeah, we're... Mirtha and I have been mainlining it. <laughs> We've watched four and a half seasons in the last month. That is a lot of Supernatural, Scott. That's probably yeah, too yeah, much Supernatural. We're closing in on 100 episodes so far. So you're going to have to remind me a little bit because I really watched it 10 years ago, one or three episodes. There's like an old guy and it's basically like the X-Files. Just so they're trying to be more edgy. No, it's, it's two brothers. Okay. Sam and Dean Winchester. You were thinking of millennium millennium with the yeah. old guy, right? Yeah. No, with the old guy from X-Files. That's, no, that's not millennium. He's thinking okay. of the one with uh, the guy from Dawson's Creek. What? Well, I'm definitely thinking of Millennium. No, no, no. Was... We're gonna have to Google on the air. Yeah, Millennium TV shows, uh, like based with uh, with Frank Black, and he was it was on for a couple years, and it was like had the X and X Files tie in. 
and like he investigates supernatural uh, stuff and he's battling crime as the millennium approaches and he blames the group for the death of his wife and it's all supernatural nonsense. I believe he's thinking of Fringe. Oh, yeah, it was Fringe. It was definitely ah, Fringe. It was a millennium. That's a good one, though. That's a It's a deeper cut. It was Fringe. So what is supernatural? I have no idea. Supernatural is two brothers. Uh, that's a lie. Uh John, you do have an idea, and it's an album by Carlos Santana, (laughs) whom you have seen live. I went to see live on that tour, and that man (laughs) was magical, and it was a great night. It was supernatural. (laughs) So smooth. Uh, Anyways, it's it's two brothers, uh, one of whom is like the blue-collar rough-and-tumble guy, one of whom is the college-educated one, um, who were raised as monster hunters by their father after their mother was killed by a demonic entity in their childhood. Of course they were. It's like Dexter. Mm-hmm. But for supernatural things and not... Yeah, they fight vampires and werewolves and demons. And it's kind of like in the in the flavor of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. A little sarcastic, a little weird, and then these big... Monster of the Week kind of thing. That, that lend themselves into the serious, larger arc. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it any good? It's very popcorn TV, and when it's good, it's very good. Um, when it's funny, it's really funny, but it's a little bit like Buffy also that like, if you're not watching it, the funny episodes won't be funny to you. You know, like if you watch a Xander specific episode and you don't know anything else about the show, you're like, eh, I don't get it. Yeah. That was often one of my, my pet peeves with Buffy even was like someone would be watched together to sort of like, look at this. It's hilarious. And then I'd be like, what? And they're like, you'd get it if you knew Xander. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I guess I would. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> Supernatural does that a lot. Like they have built the character base and then they play with it and it's mm-hmm. it's it's popcorn TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's great, but it is good. And I mean, you're, this is the coming from the guy that likes the Arrowverse and like from what you're saying it seems to operate in that same popcorn probably I made better, better or worse than the Arrowverse. Better. Better. Better you better when the Arrowverse was good or better than like the Better than the Arrowverse is good. Uh, the Arrowverse I'm invested in because it's comic book properties. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it was like all OG content, I, I don't know if I would stick with it. Yeah, Supernatural's fine. It's that doesn't make you feel I, like your beloved content is being mishandled. Oh, it absolutely. But John, welcome to being a comic book fan. Like that's been happening forever. <laughs> Captain America's got his own movie, and he's got rubber ears. Oh, like Dolph Lundgren is playing the Punisher. That's that's great. Uh-huh. The, the, that's been happening forever. I, I watched the Fantastic Four movie, and then the Fantastic Four movie, and then the next Fantastic Four movie, <laughs> and then the next Fantastic Four movie. They keep getting it wrong. Many of them in theaters, I'll bet. I, I saw three How many of them. Did you own physical copies of? Oh, man, I've got the two middle ones on, on DVD <laughs> for no reason. Again, just for this weird misguided support of, you know, the tiny, the tiny little comic book industry owned by Disney and Fox. Oh Did you, I, I sent this in the, in the thread the other day or by the other day, yeah, it's the other day in podcast future today, the, how far, so we were talking about this on go plug yourself. Cause we, we've been doing weird host episodes and we were saying like, what, like, we were talking about the MCU and we we're like, basically we determined that there is no MCU without the Nolan Batman, right? Because like Nolan Batman showed up and made 
Batman like profitable and cool again, right? Because like Joel Schumacher killed it with Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. There was no superhero yeah, yeah, movies yeah, yeah. that were like of any kind of renown. Then Batman Begins showed up and it was like very cool. And then Marvel was like, let's try this thing. And they launched Iron Man and was like around the same time. And then like, I think they, they made like, I think Batman Begins made comic book movies something that studios were willing to invest in. I'd have to check out the timing of that because I feel like Iron Man came out right around the same time and that you don't, it takes years to, to develop it, right? It's not like the Iron Man was three, three years, years after that. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. Maybe. So, I, I, I think it's a theory that bears something, but then. Okay. So what's the, but the, 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 the stinger, stinger on, or the stinger on this whole entire bit was that like, nobody knew even how to market comic book movies. <laughs> As I sent you a clip, a YouTube clip, for an actual TV spot, which is just footage of basically like Christian Bale and Katie Holmes together. It's just like mashed up moments of them in the film Batman Begins over Someday Somehow by Nickelback. This is an honest to God TV spot for Batman Begins, which would blow your mind if you saw that now for a <laughs> Nolan Batman movie. But it's like, someday, somehow. And he's like, and the thing he's like, hold on. And like holds her as they like jump the car and all that stuff. And I was like, whoa, that is not the movie. Like that is like, you're tr- like, they were so trying to like, I guess, get anybody into the movie theater. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So you're, you're movie executive guy and you're like, fine, fuck it. We have the ba- Batman franchise. How do we make some money off this motherfucker? Yeah. What's the popular Batman? And it's the first one with fucking Keaton and whatever. And a big part of that Keaton movie was a weird three-way romance between Joker and Batman and whatever. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, that is, that is purely a studio cutting together that movie to try to sell it that way. That is yeah. not the movie Christopher Nolan made, like, or uh, had any intention. But I think that they were probably so unsure of the product of putting a big bu- big budget Batman movie that they probably just, like, threw as much shit on the wall as possible to try to get people in it. Yeah. And everybody, like, loved it. But I'm just thinking, like, can you imagine a like a Nickelback song, a Nickelback love song, selling a Christopher Nolan Batman movie like now? Uh, it sounds to me more like it's a targeted ad. Like that's the ad they made for the CW. Maybe. Like, like we're gonna we're gonna play this between like whatever supernatural pretty little, liar, pretty little liars or in, supernatural. Mm-hmm. Gossip Girl. This is the commercial we're going to play during Gossip Girl episodes. Exactly right? to get teenage girls when their when their boyfriends are like, "I want to go see Batman." They're like, "There's a love story." And you're like, "For ten seconds, yeah. <laughs> it's really more about Liam Neeson wanting to crash a train into a building." And Batman learning ninja stuff. Those what? those movies are way more of a mess than I don't know. I kind of remembered looking back on them. Like there there's a lot of yeah. stuff that you watch and you kind of. You just give it a pass because there's good stuff around it. But if you really think about it, like there's there's the ninja stuff. There was so much of that. The third movie is a total fucking mess. Yeah. I, I feel that like Batman Begins was like good. good. <laughs> and and it, it had that, that same thing as Iron Man where you got a lot of free passes just because it was good. <laughs> you know, like it had been so long that there had been good comic book films that you're like what like so like the bar was so low like batman begins had to be better than batman and robin <laughs> right like right. That, that, right. that was the bar and then christopher nolan went out and did, did and, some zany shit and fantastic four and spider-man right yeah exactly spider-man where, 3. where was the ang lee hulk because i feel like that one was in was in that weird period in between too that was before that for sure yeah 
Yeah, there were a lot of flops, I yeah. think, that were that were in the thing. Like Spider-Man, I think, like made the like, oh, we can do superhero movies, and Spider-Man one and two were good, and then three was a travesty. The X-Men series was on the down uh, thing with X three and whatever Blade, else. Blade was was buttering out. That's pre-X-Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it still had a very strong start, and then went and then to start petering out. Yeah, the franchises oh. were not cool. Very strong is a very strong description of the Blade franchise because it did not make a lot of money. It, it really? gained cult popularity. Yeah, no, the first movie made like seventy-five million. They always kind of buzzed around there. They didn't. Yeah, they weren't. Like, I feel like they weren't big investments too. Like, and like, I don't think they had huge operating budgets. No, like, they were probably like making a Blade movie was probably like fifteen, twenty million dollars tops. But you but have to deal with the snipes. Nobody Ooh. wanted to deal with the snipes. Have you heard about about the shenanigans he got up to on set of the third movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he goes? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I don't. I don't remember the story exactly, but stuff, stuff like people only being able to talk to him by handing him cue cards, like he didn't want to be whatever, or nobody's allowed to look him in the eye, or he would any time he wasn't like directly on set doing filming, he would be like whatever in his in his trailer. So people would have to keep going back and forth and getting him. He was like a super big prima donna the whole way through. Nobody wanted to him. I was really hoping he just had a bunch of like really good burns and he was like, that's a snipe snipe. Like every time he like dissed somebody. (laughs) You got sniped. Exactly. The the very famous thing from Blade 3 is when Ryan Reynolds stops, looks at the camera and goes, he hates me, right? That was an outtake that they kept in the movie. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds talking to the director. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Is there anything he can? You treasure. I didn't read the article, but there's apparently there was there there's some sort of a like uh, a like a, a hook because like I don't exa- I know the exact Fox Marvel whatever nonsense, but there's like apparently like an issue that that is preventing Deadpool to get into the MCU. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I don't read the. I did not Maybe read the. Maybe Fox article. was involved because wasn't he a character in the Wolverine one that they did? No. Nope. You sure? Because I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure right they had a, a bit where he got his mouth sealed shut and he had sword arms or something. Yeah, no, no one has ever said that was Deadpool. You sure? Yeah. You can check with Ryan Reynolds. He'll tell you. They erased uh, the history of it. I feel like he might have some skin in the game. No, no, after Days of the Future Past, they, they fixed that. Yeah, he has the time travel thing. and he uh, Well, not just Days of Future Past, he also goes back and kills himself in Deadpool 2. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he kills that Deadpool. Uh, I know it might be a COVID thing, actually. Now that I'm reading it, so yeah, so Fox purchased, yeah, the Fox purchased stalled Deadpool three, and now there's like Disney uh, doesn't want to produce a movie in the MCU that is above a PG thirteen. Really? Yeah, and then there's uh, and apparently with all the delays and whatever, like even like early talks of it. It's kind of like on the back shelf because of the COVID delays right. and whatnot. So it's not like canceled, canceled. Because like, um, what's his name? Someone teased teased the Deadpool like back in like a month or two ago. Like a Disney CEO was like like teased it or something. But apparently the the reality is is that it's they're not sure how they're gonna market it, right? Because I think so much of the MCU has to play well internationally. And right. on Disney Plus. And on Disney Plus. Hard, it's very hard to put an R rating on anything in Disney Plus. 
Right. Yeah. Which is, which is what they were saying about the, they're talking about relaunching the Punisher franchise. How is that going to work in a PG-13 zone? Not. Very badly. They're going to have to figure out a way, but it's probably not going to be on, on D+. Well, apparently that's just an absolute like nightmare of like infighting and organizational structures and all that stuff. Like they made the um, I'm blanking on it. The I keep thinking Empire Records. It's not Empire Records. They talk about top five high fidelity. There we go. Huh. They made a high fidelity TV show. Uh, was made by oh dude, I I must have talked about this on the show. It's so good. Really? But, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, uh, it's just kind of him. No, Zoe Kravitz is in the main role. Oh uh, yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and like her two buddies, or whatever. And they had a second season, but the show was originally like picked up and developed and paid for by some Disney whatever, with the intention to have it on Disney Plus. And it went rated it was, R. It's not rated R, but like there's definitely swearing and sex all over right, the place. Right. And then it got like shuffled over to Hulu or whatever because like it was like it was so unclear as to what even a Disney Plus product could like look like. Right. And it's like it's just like it's all these like tiny like mini corporations all operating within the mega corporation that have all these like different outlooks and different ideas, whatever. Like I think we talked about on the podcast around the holidays that they really wanted toy story four out on Disney plus for Christmas. Uh But like whatever the division that was in charge of like DVD releases was like, no, because they weren't like production ready and they didn't want it to eat their DVD sales. (laughs) Cause that's someone's bonus. Right. You know, like, right. and you're like, you're gonna, you're gonna release your thing on your, your project is gonna release Toy Story Four, and then eat up my physical release things, and then I have an entire team of people that don't get bonuses because Toy Story Four ships badly and whatever, and right. apparently right. all these like different like heads of divisions and stuff just spinning I mean, around each other. Like, I, I believe it. The amount of projects that I've seen tank, seen tanked in the corporate structure for nothing other than personality conflicts in inside that's invisible to the customer man and something at the scope of disney dude uh, like, yeah for sure this holy crap. like like you can like you easily like you you have i'm sure like heads of divisions and stuff are like probably like all multimillionaires. Yeah. you know like like it's not just like oh there's one big guy at the top it's like no there's like probably like 30 or 40 big guys at the top imagine the ego oh man. tangled up in that plus now product is at a premium with disney plus they're a new streaming service that does not have a big back catalog to sell streaming to people who are stuck in home. They're like, oh yeah, I watched The Mandalorian. Mm, now what? Well, they have the ABC back catalog, but then again, because of their their uh, their model, they can't even tap into all of it, right? They could just put on the TGIF stuff. They're, they're not putting on any of their grown-up shows that they could potentially dredge up. Like it's, uh, And a lot of the stuff in their docket that was announced on launch that is now stuck in mid-production. So like WandaVision, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, the What If series, all of that is like not finished. And they're just sitting there going, oh, what do we do? Oh, no. Mandalorian Season 2, they're like, eh, we're trying, we don't know. All this like A-list you know, primetime stuff. Uh, all those Marvel TV shows are supposed to be part of the the wave. It's all supposed to be fall launch too, right? Like, and it's supposed to be a full tie-in with the new phase of like of movies. Of movies too. Yeah. yeah, and it was all like scheduled. Like, oh, this show, will, WandaVision, will come out around the same time as Black Widow, and you know, if they get really off, then the timeline will be all screwy. Hmm. There's one thing I know about Marvel: it's had it's a screwy timeline. 
God, have you seen the trailers and stuff for WandaVision? What is WandaVision? It's going to be. Remember, you're supposed to care about Wanda, and then you're like her boyfriend, Vision. You know who? Uh, Scarlet Witch. Okay. And and Vision is the robot that everybody wanted to die for because he's a robot. Right. I never really understood him as a character. He's like like a robot that everybody likes. Yep. Superhero data. Basically. Okay. And, and has it, and that's also accurate because he has that same kind of following as the, like the people that are like data fans are like data's the best. Like there's a lot of people who are like vision's the best, and you're like, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, okay. So yeah, you put Wanda. Why? Why? What's her last? Wanda Maximoff. Maximoff, because she's Magneto's kid. Yep. This is the the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Okay, Scarlet Witch, and then Vision. Okay, the robot. And this TV series does not look like a t- superhero TV series. It looks a little bit like um, that that Mutant X series, the one about. Um, it looks very surreal. Looks like reality warping. Looks like a they, well, they have out of like fifties like sitcom style and. Like Scarlet Witch has the ability to completely rewrite reality, right? Like that's like the plot of House of M. So. And hmm. it has a super advanced artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, like, I think the, like the, the ingredients are there to be trippy, and like, it looks trippy. It looks cool. It looks. What's like it coming cool. out on? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. So it will have no teeth. Probably. By, well, by I don't know, man. definition. Well, yeah, we don't really know. Like, it's gonna. It's I can. I can have MCU teeth. <laughs> like. I mean, that's fair, too. It's not like the MCU has a lot of teeth to begin with. Yeah, but, like, it, it can go, like, it, you can be, like, white bread uh, Thor Dark World, or you can be, like, real fun Thor Ragnarok. Like, it depends on who's directing, and they've given Taika Waititi a bunch of work outside of that one movie. Like, he did a bunch of Mandalorian stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're giving auteurs the chance to meddle with the universes. Yeah. Like, sure. there's, like, like, James, like, the Guardians are still fun, right? Like, there, there's nothing necessarily out of PG that's happening in the Guardians, but it doesn't necessarily need to be bland, right? Like, And Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the, the Falcon Winter Soldier series, looks like it's going to be the superhero series. Mm-hmm. But WandaVision looks like it's going to be way out there. Uh, speaking of, um, I guess, premium platforms or whatever, uh, I watched... The HBO Max uh, episode, there's going to be three of them, uh, Adventure Time Distant Lands. Whoa! They, yeah, they made a BMO episode, a 45-minute BMO episode. Does it hold up over so that long? Good. It's so good. It's like, it's it's absolute goodness. <laughs> like, it, it's, abs- like it's, it's full of BMO-isms, like, like to that, like, you, you it's impossible to watch if you are not watching the show, because it's like like, sure, sure. like, a, like a little robot being like, oh, hello, you dumb babies. I'm here to be your sheriff. Like, <laughs> very funny, and like, but like extra funny if you like know BMO, or like, like BMO's reflection is like football, like if you watch the show. I mean, it's, it's a pretty elaborate show. You kind of have to know it to get... Yeah. You have to know it, and on top of that, so this is like, it's basically it's Distant Lines, like BMO is shot into space for for reasons and stuff, but then there's like, because it's the show... 
there's like so many like Easter eggs and whatever of the like the space lard and like the people with the key hats and like the various there's various stuff that you see on this other planet. Those, those key hat guys. Okay, so I, I finished um, the the Pendleton Ward D and D game, right? Tomb of yeah. Annihilation. Yeah. Those those key guys show up in the Tomb of Annihilation, which is the final <laughs> sequence of the game. It's a gigantic Asherak made dungeon that's six levels deep, and every level has one of those skeletons running around with a key head. And <laughs> I didn't even say anything. I was just like, "Kill the skeleton, take his head. We're going to need it to open the door later." And sure enough, the thing, the final door preventing. You from getting to Astriarch, you have to have all the, the key heads and you assemble them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, there you go. But yeah, exactly. So there's like all, all those Easter eggs are, are like are there. There's like a couple like creatures that only show up in like I don't know. You you're, guys both aren't like uh, fully up to date. Season four, or season three. Yeah. But yeah, but there's like there's certain stuff that takes place in like in the later seasons that take place in the far future like huh. post Finn and Jake, there's like some stuff. And then there's like, there's stuff in this episode that ties into a little bit of that. Like, again, it's like blink. If you miss it, you're like, Oh, those creatures are in the far future of, Ooh. So right. you're trying to like place the, the whole thing in the timeline or whatever, figured out. But yeah, no delightful. And I'm really excited for the, I think I said, they're doing, they're doing two more. Uh, they're going to do one. That's going to be Marcy and Bubblegum, And then there's going to be, I think, and the last one is supposed to be another Finn and Jake one. So I'm like, I'm like, huh. Oh, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be like a prequel or a sequel. What's the story with Pendleton Ward's involvement? I thought he was like burned. Well, he he, he bailed after Lich. Yeah. And he was, and he's just been on as a creative consultant since for like everything that they've huh. done, which I think is like. Probably the ideal. <laughs> probably the ideal. Like, I think like from the creators too, they're like, we get to like pick his brain whenever we want, but they're like, we're all, everybody who like took it over were people that like worked with him and like loved him he was like i don't have more stories to tell and they were like we kind of do and he was like go for it <laughs> you know like he was like i had my arc and it was the it was the lich thing and he's like i didn't really see beyond that like really? i wasn't thinking beyond that like he's like i'm not saying he was like said there was nothing beyond that but he was like that was what i was focusing on wrapping up and then I he's find like, that really surprising i feel like there were so many threads that were unwound and that were Felt for sure, like, yeah. like uh, and and I think that that's also the fact that even he was saying that there was like writers' rooms beyond, right? So it's like that, yeah. like that stuff. He might have been like, "That's cool," and whatever else. Like he wasn't necessarily. He was the, from what I understand from the interviews and stuff. He was never intending the lich to wrap the show. <laughs> like he wasn't like, and the, like he wasn't looking to tie up every loose end with the lich. But he was like, that was his like the storyline that he really wanted to do. And he was like, and then when they were like, we wanted to keep. He was Interesting. Like, I wasn't looking to end it. I was just kind of looking to not work on it anymore kind of thing, you know, like, and then he's like, and then a bunch of people who are really passionate about it, who are really like good, wanted to work on it. And he's like, I'm not going to stop that from happening. And then uh, it was good times. Like, I think that the, the through line and the continuity like gets even better. Like, and even Pendleton Ward was talking about like how his early episodes, he's like, was kind of, he's like, he wrote the episodes the way he would write a D and D campaign or which is most of the time. Sometimes, and John, I'm sure you can like give respect to this. Sometimes well thought out with like a lot of like threads and whatever. Sometimes something you made up like right at before starting. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was like I had that same approach, just overall to Adventure Time. And like you think back to the early seasons, you're like, oh yeah, that's. Sometimes you're like, oh, is this part of this intricate tapestry of world building? And sometimes you're like, no, this is just. There's a, a bunch of bears who are jamming in like a disco hall in a monster's stomach. And that, yep. They had and no that, idea yeah. what to do with the voice talent they got that week. <laughs> exactly. It was Andy Samberg. He was the disco yep. bear. 
but yeah, yeah, no, BMO Adventure Lands, uh, Distant Lands. I was, uh, it it was like a, it was the. I would say in terms, obviously less less time between it, but in terms of like returning to a thing, it was probably like the most successful return to a thing. Like I watched the Invader Zim thing and it did it. I was like, it was fun. I liked it. It was okay, but yeah. Um, what was the other one that came back? Uh, there was like a. It's like another cartoon that came back for a special. Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. yeah, it was the same deal. I was like, it was fine. I was, I was not like, eh, like this is garbage or whatever. And like I said, I know that Adventure Time season ten was what only like two years ago, <laughs> or whatever the heck it was. It was not that much time in between, but it was still kind of like a that like it did the return to the universe. I think a little better. I think it also was smart to avoid main characters kind of thing like there's like there's like another there's like another like another character with white ears that like comes into their own as a hero you're talking what's her name uh oh it's not no 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 no, it's not fiona it's it's distant lands it's it's like on on another planet like the best is they're like where are you from and and like bimo has like a little like holographic projector and he's like i'm from a distant world called bimo world <laughs> that was just like the best. I was like, it has another link. I was like, we all know it's ooh, but not to Bemo. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. I'd recommend. Uh, I mean, I'd recommend watching all of Adventure Time because John still hasn't. Sure, hasn't. But uh, but yeah, I'm recommending things that John hasn't watched yet. John, oh, you like Segway? That was a pretty oh. good. John at the movies time. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Uh, I don't know if you and I have even decided. We have it. We have it down between two, I think. Uh, John, which which do you say is more important to you in a film? I was going to say, what do you think is more erotic? Okay. Do you think, do you think <laughs> romance is more important to you, or magic? Magic. Oh no. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which which would you say is more important to you? <laughs> gratuitous sexual acts or a complete lack of genitalia? But no, but still gratuitous sexual acts, kind of like like too much sex in <laughs> lots of ways. Uh, what's my choice again? <laughs> uh, gratuitous sex uh-huh. or a, complete, a complete lack of genitalia. Like which one do I want? In a movie, which which one? In is- a movie. Yeah. I would say I would choose no genitalia in a movie over lots and lots of sex. Well, then I think you've made your choice. You have. Keith, um, you want to tell him what he's won? Uh, a movie, John, that I, even before I saw it, knew off by heart. Oh, okay. Uh, then it, you must certainly be able to throw a guess out at this point. <laughs> no. Keith has had many memories of this. Of this problem. <laughs> Many misty watercolored memories. Misty watercolored memories. I'm I'm actually at blank. So um where there's, there's gotta be more. It's got lots of Hollywood stars in it. It's a star power movie. You're not gonna be <laughs> wanting for recognizable actors and actresses in this film. Okay. You might there might be like not a sound from the pavement. You might want to watch it at midnight. You might want to watch it when you were when you used to be beautiful. 
Uh, star, uh, Dame Judy Dench is in it. Okay. Rebel. Uh, who is Idris the... Alba? Idris Alba's in it. Rebel Wilson's in it. Yeah, they got some stars going on in here. Yowza. Ooh, uh, uh, Gandalf's in it, right? Yeah, Ian McKellen's in it. Ian McKellen's in it in like in uh, people are like considering the star-studded nature of the cast, people are like Ian McKellen's performance is standout among them. As I don't know, I Taylor when is, when is this Taylor from? Swift. This is this got to be very recent. Yeah, this is from last year. Taylor Swift. We also know how much you love musicals, John. Okay. Oh, good. Well, maybe that's why I'm drawing a blank. You're trying to give me a musical. I've consciously monosyllabic title aborted from my mind. Okay, it's going to be some musical from last year that I, I don't. Cats. Know. Yeah, I should have guessed. <laughs> I thought that the clue of the fact that I knew it by heart before I saw the movie because yeah, I yeah, yeah I forgot about. It. I wasn't even thinking. Cats, great. Cats, great. little kitty assholes. Oh man, yeah. I, I I'm really. I want you to watch it. Um, not just because it's like it's it's a terrible like nightmare fueled nonsense town. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. I saw it in theater. Right, right, right. As yeah. you do. Terrible uh, nonsense. No, as no one did. As no one did. <laughs> Fair enough. As nobody did. Um, but like, there's there's things that I want you. To, to to watch from it. I want you to, 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 to focus on every decision that is made. And you how, mean like by the director, the artistic? Yes. Yes. Like the, by, yeah. by the director and not not like by the director is I think giving, uh, putting too much blame on the director. Literally every decision that's made from uh, having like, uh, what's his name? James Gordon, James Corden and Rebel Wilson, uh, be in singing roles when they can't sing and them just, you know, mashing through their songs, uh, having, what's his name? Joe. Keith, I'm going to stop you here. Yeah. Those are two people who can sing. But then they, but then they sing the weird patter style. I know they can sing, but then they don't. Same thing with, uh, what's his name? I don't want you to thinking they've just taken two people with no musical talent and let them out there. These are two people who have great singing voices who they let, get destroyed in this movie. Same thing with J- uh, Jason Derulo's in the same boat. Jason Derulo can sing and he does not sing well. So you're like, like they, there are people who can sing, who do not sing. Well, there is a, uh, world, a scene, uh, a ballerina, uh, does a dance. Uh, if you want to look her up, she's like a high world-class ballerina. Mm-hmm. There's like a tap dancing scene. Every single decision that could have been made in this movie. I want you to think about and realize that they made the wrong one. <laughs> And I like so so like don't watch it on the surface. Watch like you're like it's a bad movie. And we're I going don't, deep here. Yeah, I don't necessarily think there's a good movie in there, but I think there's still with the exact same ingredients a better movie than the movie that they made. I'm not saying they they could have probably gone all the way to good, but it's it's the my my favorite thing about this entire movie comes from I saw it with um, Sam, um, who's featured on some of the Fantasia shows and whatever. And she was like, there was a moment at the movie, like towards the end of the film where like, it's all, I mean, saying it comes together. It doesn't come together. It's cats. There's, it's nonsense. Like she's like, there's nothing to come together. Right. Yeah. It's just a bunch of ca- ca- cats, cats show up and introduce reality. themselves. Yeah. Uh, where she was like, I had this like weird epiphany where she's like, the movie convinced me for a moment. She was like, I wonder what's going to happen next. Like not, not in <laughs> film, like not in film, but in Hollywood, she's like, Movies can be anything now. Like, 
<laughs> they don't have to make sense. They don't need plots. They, they don't need anything. They were like, Hollywood can make us sit through an hour and a half of anything. She's like, what does this mean? Yeah, we have to consider with this one, like, they still stand to be rewarded by my money and confused into thinking that they should use it to make more. Like, with movies from the 90s, you don't quite have to worry about that one so much. I don't think so. I think that I don't think that your your purchase is going to uh, revive the reception of cats. There's, there's a chance that cats will be the last great Hollywood picture. <laughs> like the last. There's a chance that cats will be the last big Hollywood picture. Like I, like the last ensemble cast feature piece or whatever, like you know. <laughs> if if the world falls apart pandemic wise. Could it be Judy Dench's last film? Possibly, she was apparently like upset because they. She thought yeah, she was. She has a making... legacy, and she's gonna have a last movie be a total fucking disaster. It's not, it's not even her last movie. She's in Artemis Fowl, and apparently that's worse. Really? Yeah. So, that, that was also on your list of things. Huh? Yeah. Watch the um. Watch the pitch meeting on Artemis Fowl. I will. I will. It, it, it's it's it's. I have not read the books or whatever, but they're just sort of like, oh, and like he's this like whatever else like that. But anyway, so, like he's a master thief. Master. Yeah, and they're like, so we, do we get into that? And they're like, no. Like they they the core character is a master thief, and he's not. The character is not a master thief in the <laughs> movie. Like just that is a starting point. You're like, what? Imagine Harry Potter if he didn't do magic for Yeah, seven. exactly. You're like the Adventures of Harry Potter. You're like, is he a wizard? No. No, no, no. He's Yes, he is. Does he do magic? No. Yeah, he's a skateboarder. Yep. Uh, anyway, we're definitely holding on to the the backup movie, which was not Artemis Fowl, but like that's I feel that's a keeper. All right. We're not even going to get into the backup movie. Um speaking of movies, um Movies that I know a lot of the lines for. Sarah had never seen Idle Hands. Do you remember Idle Hands? Hmm. It's a film with Devin Sawa, uh, Jessica Alba. Uh, it's Vivica Fox. Did I? You must have. Like, I don't know how you would have been friends with me in college and not had seen Idle Hands at some point. It was one of my, like, go-tos. It's like a new no. cover. Seth Green has, is a zombie with a bottle jammed into his skull. Yeah, didn't see it. It's weird. I use I use a quote from that all the time in uh, in D anD D. So there's a part in the so the film is basically um, Devon Saw was a stoner, and there's like an evil spirit or whatever that can possess uh, that possesses like a single hand. So it's it's basically they take the the, the evil hand scene from Evil Dead and turn a film into it, and it's okay. fine. Yeah, uh, and they and then kind of like mash it in with the teen stoner comedy. Like it's just it's absolutely hits every target it's aiming for. Is any of it great? Like no. <laughs> like, but does it succeed? At, like at teen horror comedy? Like, like good, good for a bunch of laughs. Good for a bunch of laughs. Like Devin Sawa just like knocks it out of the park in terms of physical comedy, which is very surprising because he's normally just like heartthrob casting guy. But right. like a it's plays it's the. The the pitch meeting for Idle Hands is it's half baked meets uh, Final Destination by the, way of Evil Dead. Yeah, like the evil the, the Evil Dead uh, possessed hand thing cannot be removed from the pitch meeting. Like it, it's literally that scene of Ash fighting his hand, but for a movie. Like, um, but yeah, and then like, like like absolutely, they're all like stoners, whatever. Um, 
But yeah, there's a part where there's like a little like ripped piece of cloth uh, that Seth Green, like stoner Seth Green, like picks up and it's like a kind of like in a U shape. And he was just sort of like, look, a clue. <laughs> <laughs> and then like slowly like pushes it up to Devin Sawa's shirt, which is like ripped. And he was just sort of like, <gasps> like, and it matches. And he's like, the killer was wearing your shirt. <laughs> like perfect stoner horror comedy, comedy yeah, just yeah. like all over the place like okay so uh, what's the what's the hit holds up like i was oh. it like was like holds up shockingly well uh in that in that genre i was like it's kind of a micro genre i would even say like teen horror comedy like because i feel probably got washed and watered out by like scary movies and stuff which are trash mm-hmm. and um like I'm thinking like this and maybe like dead and breakfast are up there. Mm, Tucker and Dale versus evil. It's not necessarily teenish though. That's true. Uh, warm bodies. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. It's romantic. I guess, I guess, I guess Idle Hands can be too. It's like, it's almost in a, and this is giving way too much praise to Idle Hands, but like in a weird way, it's almost in the same vein as Cabin in the Woods, where like a lot of the characters are like you, you're they're playing to the horror tropes, like of except that everyone's a stoner, kind of thing. Like you know, like like a bunch of characters acting like stoners in a horror movie, the way stoners have always acted in horror movies. You know, like right. like like I said, it it's that's way too high praise for it, but it's like it's in that same. You watch it and it's kind of funny, but like as a horror fan, it's like it has a lot of like extra things, like just for you kind of thing. Kind of like, kind of like Freddy's Dead, Nightmare Six. Funnier. <laughs> yeah, but like made for jokes. Where Freddy's Dead was like, yeah, we're we're kind of we kind of know what we're doing here. This this is some dumb stuff. Yeah, exactly. This is pretty dumb. Yeah, it, it leans into so much so much stupidity that uh, I like. Also, Sarah was like. Pretty sure she hadn't seen it. And then she was like, if she had seen it, she was like, I probably didn't understand that it was a, supposed to be a joke movie. Right. <laughs> like, she was like, I thought, it, I, she's like, if I had seen it, I thought it might have been a really bad horror movie. She's like, watching it now, she's like, this is amazing. This is like just super funny shit. <laughs> but like, oh, what's, oh, the other line, my, also one of my favorite lines. So, like, Basically, all of the murders take place in a house, right? So it's like, it's Devin Sawa's hand gets crazy, and then he wants to, like, impress his girl. And he ends up cutting off the hand, uh, and the hand goes psychotic, and then he tries to chase As it down. Do. Tries to save the day. But, like, all of the murder, not all of, but the vast majority of the murders take place in his house, right? Like, he ends up, like, killing his parents there, cops there, whatever. So it's like, there's, like, blood and gore and stuff like that all over, and nobody's ever cleaning it up because they're all stoners, essentially. Uh, like uh, Seth Green and the uh, Foggy Nielsen from uh, the Daredevil TV show, like they die and then they come back and then they're sort of like, I thought you dead. And they were like, oh yeah, we were like in this tunnel or whatever. And there was like white lights and this like Enya music playing. Like, oh, like it was a really, really far walk, dude. So we just said, fuck it. <laughs> like that's, and that's the only explanation as to why there are zombies is that they <laughs> did not want to make the walk. But anyway, so yeah, the whole entire house is like full of gore, and they want to like microwave some burritos. And Devin Sawa had just burritoed, uh, or just microwaved the hand, and the hand had like exploded into blood and then flown out of the microwave. So now it's like an entire like microwave full of blood 
And they're mm-hmm. sort of like, hey, should we clean out that microwave before we put the burritos in it? And Devin Sawa's like, oh, yeah, and we should clean up the whole fucking house while we're at it. Uh. <laughs> it's just like this like Seth Green deadpan thing and then just throws the burrito in and microwaves it. Like, and I was like, uh, like it's, yeah, in, in the, those moments are just like perfect half-baked style meets horror, horror comedy. Right. I was a little, it was one of those things that had been long enough where I was like nervous <laughs> to go back. I was like, this is this movie I watched a lot in high school. Like I owned it on VHS and had it, like it was one of my like pop in the VCR when I'm like cleaning my room kind of thing. Like yeah. have it on heavy, heavy, heavy rotation. And I was like pleasantly surprised at how, how good it was. I, and I would recommend it to you if you can track it down. I don't know if it's on any of the streaming. I groups. was actually just checking on Shutter. Let's see. I don't think it's there. I don't think it's there. Um, ranking it. Where is this? I guess horror comedies. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, the, the only horror comedy that I know of is Turn to Newcomb High, and it's way the heck above that. Yeah, uh, I just saw Dragon Slayer at one thirty, and then I realized it wasn't the Dragon Slayer nonsense that I watched. That was Dragon Lions. I was like, I was like, I don't think I ranked it that high. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> um, where is it? Okay, it's above. We are your friends. And I'm looking for it's more fun than 2016's Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's an outlier though. That don't don't take that as a a ladder. Yeah, but I also kind of see it above Ghost in the Shell or even Dark Crystal. Like, I mean, get this is I think in the right zone ish. I think this based on the, this area. Uh, I think it goes right in between Karate Kid and Last Action Hero. Because <laughs> it can't get past Evil Dead. Just as a as a matter of course. You can't like take a thing from Evil Dead and then just make a movie of it. And then get past Evil Dead in the process. <laughs> admittedly, although, admittedly, the really good hand scene is Evil Dead 2, no? Which I think we all agree would rank much higher than Evil Dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, I'm fine with that. That that's okay. Just, yeah, I don't. I don't see. Think... But knowing that it's getting a big nostalgia bump on the list from you. Yeah, I, I mean, oh yo, I could I could bump it higher. Like like pers- personally, like this is this is my uh, like. Oh, it's, it's already way up there. It's already way up there. It's it's above Last Action Hero. Like like Last Action Hero is where it goes. Is in terms of just like a play up of a genre in a perfectly fine and schlocky way. Is yeah, but you're putting it like twenty points ahead of blockers, which you really, really liked. Hmm. Yeah, but and it's much better than blockers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like. I don't see an issue with this, and I'm like, I'm putting it above prey. At, like, strangers pray at night. I really liked it. It's, it would, That's cool. Fine. Yeah, I wanted to talk about a movie too. A movie that Keith had recommended, and I finally got around to watching, and thoroughly enjoyed it, like way more than I thought I would. Uh, It was late at night, and I wanted to put something to like decompress to, and I watched the Barkley Marathons, the race that eats its young. Ah, holy shit, was that great! (laughs) I was so invested in watching that movie. So this that that crazy race that that guy runs in Tennessee. Yeah, only ten people at the time of the filming this movie and that had been 25 years of the race running at that point 
only 10 people had ever finished it. We've, we've talked about this. I think if you Google, or if you go into 9 to 5 and search, I think we named the episode the Barkley Marathons or, or something marathon. If you Google the word marathon into the 9 to 5 CC search bar, you'll hear us talk about this nonsense thing. The race is nonsense, but the documentary was uh, fantastic. It okay. was so what is it? Like you, you enter and then like you get like a weird license plate or something. And there's then you, a lottery like, to get in, right? Yeah. And then you like smoke a cigarette and start. And then there's like very few markers in the woods. Uh, so you have to bring a license plate if you're oh. a computer. Yeah. It's like, it's $5 and a license plate to like. And another random piece of item that the guy needs, like yeah. a t-shirt or a bag of socks. <laughs> uh, he, he is very selective in who he lets into the race. Only 40 people are allowed to race every year. And every year he lets one person in who has no chance of, of ever completing it. <laughs> He's like, oh, I see that on your essay for your application, you once ran the Boston Marathon. Excellent. Come on down. <laughs> this is how many, what's like the actual, like. A 100 mile race that you have to complete in 60 hours. It's a trail race. The elevation that you will climb over the course of this 100 miles is higher than Everest. And, uh, it's an unmarked trail through the backwoods, and well, there's, like there's some, eleven markers where you have to go and run and like tear your race numbers page out of a book. It's a bit of a like scavenger hunt, right? Like I have to go back and forth to these books and yeah. come back with the right page and whatever. And like even some of the people that have completed it have like based on like tracking and stuff like that, like actually gone like 120 miles because they've gotten so lost. Like even some of the completionists like haven't didn't do a hundred miles straight line. Like, it's like, you, you will end up off trail. You will need to backtrack to find trail. Like, it's... So how was the documentary? Complete business. Riveting and enjoyable to the point where you're rooting for these people who are destroying <laughs> themselves. You're so happy that they're they're trying it and they're not giving up. But even, even like, the most boring person. There's, there's one guy in the documentary who was the only person racing during the filming of the movie, who had completed it. And he said, I did it last year and I'm coming back. So you know he's got, he's got the goods to, to do it. Mm-hmm. This is the first of five loops. So it's broken up into five cycles through this trail. So he's run 20 miles on an unmarked trail and he comes back and he's like, my, my, my uh, smartwatch has told me that I just burned 9,000 calories, like my, my heart monitor. So I've got 15 minutes before I've got to go back again and do that again. And he's just sitting there stuffing his face, like, <laughs> just like slurping cold Chef Boyardee out of a can and then trying to drink like a bottle of milk and like trying right. to... It's 45,000 calories to do this thing. Oh. Like oh. <laughs> in 60 hours, like no sleep, no, no rest. The, the, the longer you stay at base camp before you go out for the next loop, the less likely you are to finish it. Yeah. It's it's crazy, and these forty people show up, and they're all like, "Going to do it? It's going to be great." And then they come back, maybe after the first loop, they're like, "I am bleeding everywhere because one of the miles is running through thorn bushes that have these long spikes that just rip you apart." It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And it's like, it's not even for like a good big reward. Like it sounds like it's something if you're like, I'm the winner. Hold on, hold on. Million dollars. There, there is reward. There's cred amongst the running community. Like, like none other. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, I went down that, um, like reading up on ultra marathons or whatever, but it's still not like, 
you don't get an NBA contract or whatever. Like you, you're the big dog in a, a like a community of like 200 people. Totally. Well, no, 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 no. There's there's an elite running community that that knows about this and shares. Maybe it. that knows about it, but I, I can't imagine that. Like, what's the global population of people that can even run an ultra marathon? Okay, but that's like that's the super elite population. That's thousands, yeah. thousands of people. Yeah. Man. yeah. There's hundreds of us. Hundreds. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but like people do the Hawaiian Ironman. In but that's not an ultra marathon. That's an Ironman. A lot of people do Ironman races. Those, They're like those people know about the ultra marathoners. Those people are the ones who are training all year for five years to go to this race, and then they see those two or three guys, and they're just like, "Oh, those yeah. are those." I guys. wonder if those ultra marathon guys just like do uh, like Ironman stuff, like for a warm up. <laughs> like it's it's such a different thing, right? Like it's also one of the very few sports where both men and women are equally competitive. Yeah, I read the of the book about the guy who did um, uh, bare, what it called barefoot running. You know, he, that was like his big deal. Yeah. He pushed those really flat shoes. So he talked a lot about the sport and the community and the people and whatever. And one of the things he said was, "It's like women do just as well as men. It's like such a such an intense test that may, you know we might all be wired to do it." I can. I highly recommend it. You can you can grab it on Tubi now, mm. and it was just. The, the, the cult of personality around the guy that organizes it, you can see it. He's 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 joyful about this race. Mm-hmm. And, and and very realistic. He's like, it's no most people can't do it and most people fail and most people end up feeling good that they failed. I love they, that. They're like they've they've pushed themselves to their absolute limit and they they've they've they're great knowing that. And what is it like the the starter pistol like file fires like it, it's when he like smokes a cigarette and shoots a gun or whatever but it's like but it, there's no like fixed time yeah he smokes he smokes a cigarette and rings a bell yeah he smokes a cigarette and rings a bell so you need to be like around base camp and kind of ready and he's like it'll be between like ten and noon right but it's not really a race you know they're they're like no but the clock starts when the little bell rings okay okay so. <laughs> Like it's it's you you could still lose time if you were taking a pee, you know, sure. like, and you're like shit. <laughs> Smokes a cigarette, ding. And there's after he started at midnight. Yeah, like in the past, he's just like in the middle of the night. It's going. You got 15 minutes to get ready. Yep. And that's that's just part of his nonsense. Uh, do you want to rank it? I do. Like, I do. I think John should watch it. Mm-hmm. John, are you going to watch? It? We can put off ranking it if, if you're going Tubi. to. Tubi. How do I get Tubi? Might be on YouTube. I thought I watched that on YouTube. Tubi.com. Is it free? Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, then I'll watch it. What's it called again? Where dreams go to die, right? The Berkeley Marathons, the race that eats young. Okay, no, see, I watched the Where Dreams Go to Die. I didn't watch. Which is also about the Berkeley race? Yes. (laughs) Well, really? So we're talking about a different movie? It's a great story. Damn. Then, yeah, where Gary Robbins and the Barkley Marathon. I think Gary Robbins is the guy that did it twice. Maybe. Yeah, I watched Where Dreams Go to Die, which is an hour plus. Also, yeah, Gary Robbins and the Barkley Marathons. So funny. There's also out there a journey to the Barkley Marathons. I think people have been making this. It's so crazy. <laughs> oh, the 2020 Barkley Marathons were canceled, of course. Oh, that sucks. I mean... 
Understandable, but I'm like, also, there's, I don't imagine there's a ton of COVID out there in the woods. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's getting there, man. You can't get to the states. Yeah. Traveling, yes. Do not travel. Um, yeah, John, just Google, just Google to be T-U-B-I, and it'll bring you to the website. Mm-hmm. You can watch stuff there. Right on. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll put off ranking it, but it's that documentary was fucking fantastic. Super good. Um, I think that's the the main show. All right. I think. Um, I guess if you want to listen to even more, become a Patreon subscriber. Uh, yeah, and we have a, a garbage time episode coming up on Patreon. Nice. Patreon.com. Uh, it's not really advertised on the page because we're bad at this. But if you're subscribed at three dollars or more, you can listen to a garbage time episode of Time where we just stop Thank you for listening. Love you. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those, or you could just you know send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. (laughs) 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.